Hey, Husker fans, welcome to another episode of the Husker Big Red Podcast with Chris Peterson and Danny Gillette. As always, go Big Red. Hey folks, welcome back to the Husker Big Red YouTube channel. I'm Chris Peterson of HuskerBigRed.com and joining me as always is Danny Gillette of TheGreatCornholio.org. Uh, Happy New Year's. We're the day after uh, January 2nd. Uh, got a lot of college football on the plate today here with the, you know, the Cotton Bowl and the uh, Rose Bowl. So it's college football season not quite over, but it's been over for a while for the Huskers. But we've got some uh, recruiting info coming up. But uh, Danny, how you, how'd you welcome in the new year? I just watched the games on Saturday and I know... Uh... I'm sorry to, I'm sorry about your uh, Michigan Wolverines, but that was a hell of a game. Both games were absolutely awesome. I couldn't ask for a better way to end 2022. And, uh, man, I, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, TCU will make it a game, so to speak, with Georgia, but what a story. What a story and uh, what, a, what a couple of games to uh, finish out 2022. So hopefully your Wolverines, Jim Harbaugh, can't get over the can't get over the hump when it comes to the big games and it's not like Michigan didn't uh, perform well I mean the defense just gave up two way too many points same thing with Ohio State I mean the offenses were there defenses were nowhere to be found yeah Michigan just uh, too many you know you can't have two uh, pick sixes and then you know get inside the three yard line twice and get three points or three times and get three points out of it. So, I mean, that's just, they didn't, uh, they weren't able to win the line of scrimmage. I mean, that's, you know, people want to look at, you know, the, the, the offense and, or, you know, speed and whatever, but the teams that won on Saturday were the teams that ran the ball better. I mean, at the end of the day, Georgia ran the football better. TCU ran the football, but I mean, TCU was able to run the ball near the goal line. That was the difference in the game. And uh, so, I mean, as much as it's about, you know, and here's another thing too, is we talk about star rankings. Well, Max, Max Duggan, you know, was not a highly recruited quarterback as we all know. Um, Scott Frost thought he wasn't good enough for Nebraska and Mac and uh, Stenson Bennett was a walk on. So, you know, you don't necessarily need to have these star players at quarterback. And I think it's interesting with TCU, you know, I mean, Nebraska's recruiting right in the same area as TCU and TCU's playing for the national championship. So that, you know, even even at Nebraska's, you know, recent recruiting levels, there's no reason this program can't take that steps if you get the right players and coach the right way, do the right things. I mean, this TCU team was five and seven a year ago. And uh, now they're playing for the national championship. So there's no reason that Nebraska, you know, if Matt Rule is who we think he is and if they do all the right things, there's no reason this team can't, you know, compete for national championships. I mean, if TCU can do it, why not Nebraska? And TCU's Sonny Dykes is not exactly a uh, brand new coach either. He's been coaching for quite a while. Um, you know, he actually got fired at Cal and then did. went to SMU. And so, you know, I mean, he's he started as a running backs coach in 1994. <laughs> and, um, you know, then, like you said, he went to California in 2013, 2016. Way later, he also coached at Louisiana Tech from 2010 to 2012, SMU from 18 to 21. So, you know, it, it's just an incredible journey by TCU and. You know, it's certainly I would have never picked them to be in the college football playoff at the end of the day. And, you know, I'm sure many of the odds makers and pollsters, I, I know for a fact they didn't. But, you know, that's the beauty of college football. And 
you know, it just shows that it can be done. Program turnarounds, you know, can be done in one year. And all you have to do is have the right pieces. And that's what Nebraska is working towards. I'm not saying they're going to get there because there is a program overhaul that needs to be done. But, you know, it's just it's just really, really kind of encouraging that, you know, we're seeing coaches more and more get it done in one year. And I'm not sure if that raises the bar for Matt Rule, but there's no reason why, you know, this team, meaning Nebraska, can't be competitive, I think, by next year, maybe even now. But oftentimes, and I said this at the beginning of this past season, you know, it, it takes a while to adjust. And maybe we'll see some growing pains, but I, I said it on uh, Friday. I believe, you know, we have a shot for a bowl game this year. I, I, I really do. Yeah, I honestly I think if if Matt Rule is worth his salt as a as a good football coach, six wins is not a high bar in my opinion. So I think we'll I think we'll find out really quick. You know, I'm not a believer. I mean, I I do believe in you have to build it and all that type of stuff. But you know, I think we're going to find out pretty quickly if Matt Rule knows what he's doing or not. I think we'll we'll have a good idea after this first year. Um, I'm going to be really disappointed because I think there's enough talent on this roster to win six games there was enough talent on the roster last year to win six games and despite all the disastrous things that happened you know if the team was coached a little bit better they probably would have won six games so I mean look at going forward I mean I I get that there's you know some positions of need and there's some holes and stuff on this roster but I still think Nebraska has about as good a, a team as any anybody else in the Big Ten West I mean we're we're not talking about the SEC East you know the SEC East or West or whatever you know I mean this is the Big Ten West is one of the worst divisions in uh, in the you know out of the five major conferences you know so I don't see any reason why Nebraska you know can't contend in this division and I think a bowl game look they just need to get back there I mean I, I think it'll be understandable I guess Matt Rule will probably get a pass if it doesn't happen next year but you know this program just needs to get back on a winning track and I, I don't think that six and six or whatever is a huge uh, overwhelming uh, goal for this team with with the talent that they have coming back. And, you know, we said it actually, I believe, after the Rutgers game, you know, this program in recent history doesn't know how to win, how to close games. You know, they did it a little bit better, you know, under Mickey Joseph, but, you know, it becomes a culture. You know, you just kind of know how to do things in crucial moments, know how to win, know how to not make boneheaded plays. I remember, I forget which game it was now. I think it was the uh, Michigan game where we earned – not the Michigan game. I don't know. One of the games that we won last year where we fumbled on the kneel down or something. Was it Iowa? Yeah, it was Iowa. No, that was I Rutgers think. where that happened. Was that Rutgers? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, they all blend into one and I get PTSD. But anyway, yeah, it was Rutgers and we fumbled on the snap. So, I mean, you know, it just goes back to knowing how to win. And quite honestly, this is a very favorable schedule. I mean, you know, it's hard to get a favorable schedule in the Big Ten. But I think this... Uh, this team can do it if if all the pieces fall into place, you know, the way we the way we think they're going to. And, you know, as we've seen before, sometimes what we think is going to happen doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they need to win one of those first two games for sure. I mean, you don't need to come out of the block 0-2. That's not, you know, that's going to make it really tough, I think. Because, it, you know, then with if you win your third game, you're still sitting in a situation where you have to win, you know, five out of eight Big Ten games right. to make a bowl game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they need to... Sp- they need to, uh, you know, at least get two non-conference wins, and they need to split that one, one of those two with, uh, you know, Minnesota. And, uh, you know, that's 
that's going to be my thing and, and and we'll see how it develops but yeah there there are going to be some steps going forward i mean and that rules talked about it you know take it one day at a time and blah 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 i mean and that's how he should take it as the coach but i think the expectation in year 1 should be at least a bowl game that's that's my that's my minimum bar you know yeah we as fans don't want to take it one day at a time <laughs> we as fans so, want wins now I just think this team. I just think with a quality coach, I think this yeah. this team is a bowl team. I mean, I just believe. Like if you took, you know, if you took Jim Harbaugh and put him in charge of the Huskers next year, they'd win seven eight games. I absolutely believe that. And so if Matt Rule is worth any salt as an elite head coach, he'll win seven or eight games next year. That's that's my opinion. No, yeah, I agree. And you know, I think um, I think like you said, the first two games are going to be a big test. To me. I'm not looking at the Colorado game so much as the test, but the opener against Minnesota, you know, that's going to be, you know, Minnesota is a very well-coached team. As much as I hate to admit it, you know, PJ Fleck is a damn good football coach and, you know, Minnesota is going to be ready. It's going to be the first game of the season. And I know it's kind of hard to gauge the first game of the season, but I mean that, you know, that's big 10 football. That's what you're going to be facing after the, um, after the first three games i believe because then it's louisiana tech after colorado right yeah yep. so yeah after the first three games so you know i'll be i'll be interested to see what happens this year and i'm just excited for the news on tuesday actually too this coming tuesday as uh we could get some commitments headed our way yeah it's definitely um looking like that you know ethan nation and uh, cameron leonard are, are expected to announce you know their decisions on wednesday and at this point i mean we've talked about it before but both look like they're going to be going in um you know cameron leonard as all of his uh, you know predictions are that way the you know on three prediction machine puts him at like 99 percent. maryland's the only other team i think he visited recently and yeah. i don't see any you know, any reason to uh, not doubt that he's coming. I mean, I just feel like that uh, if there was information that he had signed with Maryland and said, cause he's already signed, both of these guys have. Um, so if there's information that he signed with Maryland, I feel like we would see some crystal balls or something trending in that way. We haven't. So I fully believe that uh, Kristen Cramion Leonard is going to announce for Nebraska. And I think Ethan nation is going to do the same. I don't, there hasn't really been anybody outside of Nebraska that's pushed for him late. His, his recruitment got really quiet and uh, you know he's got a ton of offers, but uh, I, I think this is clearly going to be a Nebraska a Nebraska commitment. Was he the one that the staff kind of offered late, and then he came for a visit to follow, like December tenth? I want to say. Yeah. I remember. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Because I remember seeing that, and I was just thinking, wow, they managed to convince him to come for a visit, and now they have an opportunity to land him. And we've talked about, you know, nation's versatility and. You know how I think he'll fit well in that three-three-five defense, and same thing with Leonard. They both possess, you know, a certain amount of speed, and Nation has the ability to not only cover but come down and make a tackle. So I think they would be really solid additions for for the defense. And um, you know, I think that Nebraska Nebraska can really land them, and you know, finish with a class probably in the top twenty-five. Yeah, definitely. I think it would definitely two top five hundred commitments would definitely get Nebraska, you know, into the top twenty five. Um, you know, Leonard is a four, another four star. That would mean Nebraska's fourth um, composite four star, I believe. At a, you know, they're looking with both commitments would be twenty three. So I mean, four out of twenty three isn't a great blue chip ratio. You know, the if you've ever heard that term before, you know. Um, but it's it's improving though. Nebraska's got to get that number up towards a. Uh, like eight to 10 in the 40 to 50% range, in my opinion, which is very doable. I think if you start winning and are, you know, have, have some ideas about 
you know, recruiting, which I think Matt Rule does. You know, he actually has a strategy in place and he knows how to do it. You know, Scott Frost just, I don't know, was throwing darts at random boards. I'm not really sure what he had no strategy. Basically, in four years, he had zero recruiting strategy and it showed. And um, and Matt Rule, I think, has a more as a more organized and, uh, you know, an actual idea for what he wants to do. And I think we'll see, you know, the benefits of that kind of going forward. But it will be interesting to see, you know, beyond the 2023 class. And I think, you know, Nebraska showed some interest in some other guys. I'm still, you know, Matt Rule still mentioned, you know, a 2023 quarterback at his press conference. So I'm interested to see if they, you know, get involved with like Marcus Stokes. He's probably the only worthwhile quarterback out there right now. There might be some others, but. So I'm not saying that this is going to be the end of the 2023 class, but it looks, you know, kind of like that way it could could end up being the final, you know, signees. I mean, it depends what else is out there, but Nebraska's getting pretty pretty high up there too in terms of scholarship numbers. Yeah, I think there's going to be some attrition um, probably after the spring, and I think the staff is kind of banking on it. But um, you know, and one of the other kind of minor moves that happened on Friday, and I say minor because he kind of already you know, talked about it and heard about it. it. It had been, you know, making its way around Twitter and things like that was the hiring officially of Bob Wager. Uh, they officially announced him on Friday. And I think that's going to be huge for Texas recruiting. You know, we talked about it a little bit, I believe a couple weeks ago, but you know, I think that's going to be huge for Texas recruiting. It'll be great to have a set of eyes in the state. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, knows Texas football. He's well-respected in the area. And so when you said, you know, this staff has a plan in place that that includes, you know, that that hiring, you know, they've made Texas a focus. They want to focus on Texas and Florida. So what do you do? Not only do you as coaches, you know, recruit Texas, but you also bring in somebody familiar with the area, somebody dedicated to the state. And, you know, I think that's a really, really smart move. And I know you wrote about it on HuskerBigRed.com. Yeah, I, I do think it's a great move. And, and for a lot of the reasons that you said, you know, beyond that, um, he's had like 17 consecutive winning seasons. So, I mean, he's coached football before. And I think having that experience helps. You know, that's probably why he, you know, feels pretty comfortable slotting in a tight end or wherever they were going to have him on staff. But, yeah, just to have that, you know, Matt Rule already had strong tight relationships. Tight end special teams. Yeah, and Matt Rule already had those relationships in Texas. And this is only going to – you know, bolster that. And I think bolster Nebraska's recruiting in the state of Texas. And the, I've said this a bunch of times, but, you know, the outside of, you know, pushing more in the state, you know, the three big areas, I think Nebraska is really going to, you know, focus on is going to be the Pennsylvania area, New Jersey, you know, with Matt Rule, um, you know, Texas. Yeah. And then the Texas, you know, and then uh, Florida, and they just, they have a, you know, quality control assistant that was a head coach from a, you know, high school head coach in Florida. So um, I feel like they've got, you know, a lot of really good connections and if they can recruit those three areas, well, they really don't even need to recruit anywhere else, to be honest. I mean, those three hotbeds plus Nebraska, I mean, that's, that's a pipeline right there that you can build a really good program with. Yeah. And, you know, you said it earlier, sometimes it, se- it seemed like, Scott Frost was throwing darts and, uh, you know, and kind of no man's land. And we did get some kids from Florida while he was here, but they didn't stay. And, you know, I think having, again, a dedicated guy this time in the state of Florida, Philip Simpson, um, you know, having him down there familiar with the high school game, familiar with the state of Florida, having that pipeline, you know, to see these kids develop and to have eyes in the area is going to be huge. So, again, you talked about you know, kind of cohesiveness and having a plan, you know, hiring Simpson is definitely a good plan if you want to lock down the state of Florida. 
And, you know, speaking of uh, coaching hires, I think it'll be interesting to see now that the NFL season's over, we should get, you know, the final hires for uh, Matt Rule's staff. still missing a wide receiver coach and a linebacker coach. Personally, I think they're both on the Carolina Panthers uh, staff with Rob uh, Dvorak. And uh, I think it's going to be Joe Daly. You know, the guy played quarterback for Nebraska for a couple of years, um, you know, has been a wide receiver and a quarterback. So, I mean, I think that that is something that helps. I mean, I have no reporting about that, but it just seems that it would line up. We haven't really heard any other names of, of note. Um, like we kind of heard about Wager, and, and so that wasn't really a surprise. And Dvorak's name's been out there, floated for weeks now, and nobody else has really been hired or even talked about for that position. So I feel like that, you know, it was just a matter of the NFL season kind of uh, wrapping up for the Panthers, which it is going to wrap up now this week after they lost to the Bucks last night. Yeah, and, you know, I think it'll be good to kind of continue to round out the staff and just looking at it, it's a very solid group. I'm happy with uh, I'm happy with the staff, and, you know, I think uh, I think this this entire group has a clear vision of what they want to do, both in recruiting and on the field, and I can't wait to see it executed. Um, I think, um, you know, this is the type of coaching staff that can bring stability back to the program. And then uh, before we talk some hoops here a little bit, I guess one thing we should mention, um, Dayton Rayola, the 2026 quarterback and younger brother, I think he's 2026, I could be wrong on that. Um, he was reoffered by Matt Rule. He re- he posted that on his Twitter account. Uh, I just saw it this morning, so it must have been happened last night. Mm-hmm. Um, so just I was wondering when that was going to happen. Um, I did, Will Compton did say that he's predicting that D- Dylan Rayola will land at Nebraska. Now, we did say he has no inside sources or any instance. So, I mean, he's basically just guessing. So, I mean, take that for what it's worth. But, I love Will. Uh, I love Will. I yeah. do love Will. He'll say whatever he wants to say about Nebraska football, and he doesn't make any apologies. I love it. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, I don't think he has, you know, the insider recruiting information of others, but he's, you know, he's connected to the program, and he knows things, I mean, obviously. So, um, you know, I don't think that it's a worthless, you know, like no. prediction. I mean, I'm not putting stock in it, but – I think, look, Nebraska does have a good shot. It's like I've always said, though, let's see where Dylan Rayola does with his visit schedule. Let's see if he takes visits. You know, I, you know, people have gotten so wrapped up in the 24 hours thing. Like, I don't, it doesn't, I don't, I, don't, I mean, yeah, I think Nebraska wants to build the top class in 2024, and Dylan Rayola is part of that for sure. But I don't think that the hashtag or any of that stuff is like directly related to him or that we should expect a commitment anytime soon. I think it's more of a mindset, you know, and that's the kind of mindset that you want to build. Keep building, work as hard as you can as a staff. Don't rest until you have all your targets, you know, try to build a good class and, you know, to have that kind of mindset is exactly what we need. And we saw it a little bit at the tail end of the 23 class uh, with early signing day. And I, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, I'll be really interested to see what this staff does in the 24 class with a year of football under their belt. Of course, you know, the on-field product is going to be crucial in this, but you know, if the end of the 23 class is any indication, then I'm really excited for what the 2024 class and the work that the staff will do. Yeah, it is. It is exciting to see, and they're you know they've got a lot of offers. They just offered you know a five-star uh, D lineman, um, you know, and he was kind of you know interacting with some things. You know, Aaron Hampton seems to be you know up on the Huskers, uh, and you know another kid out of Texas, a top 100 type prospect. So Nebraska's definitely 
um, you know, going to be recruiting, I think, at a pretty high level in this class, especially if they are able to put, you know, a winning product on the field. And, you know, we'll we'll keep updating you on those recruiting updates. And hopefully Wednesday, you know, we have some commitments to break down with uh, Ethan Nation and, and Cameron Leonard. I think that's going to be the case. But uh, at any rate, let's move over to – Can I just throw got... out a statistic really quickly that I saw yeah. uh, earlier? Nebraska's defense faced an average of 75.8 plays per game last year, the highest in the Big Ten era, highest since 2007. Minnesota, by comparison, faced 59. Now, 75.8 points per game is absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, credit the defense for doing what they did last year. But just looking at that number, I was just like, damn, like, <laughs> no wonder they were, you know, gasping for air at the end of games. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. That was, uh, you know, I said that a bunch of times though, you know, oh, yeah. a lot of coaching malpractice did. last season and, you know, I mean, and yeah, anyways, I don't want to talk too much about no, it, was, a lot of, a lot of coaching that was just malpractice. An number. Yeah. That was just an yeah. interesting number. So yeah, I don't think that'll be the same with Matt rule no. as the head coach. Um, no, they'll actually know how to run a competent offense. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, in terms of, uh, the basketball team, you know, got a big win over Iowa, you know, last week. They can run week. a competent offense, that's for sure. The basketball team. Yeah, and uh, Tuesday night, you know, and, and people are, you know, starting to talk a little bit. I mean, I saw somewhere on Twitter, you know, people saying, you know, like, oh, it's realistic for this team to have a chance at the tournament or whatever. And mm. I don't know if I'm going to go that far, but here's what I'll say. If Nebraska can beat Michigan State at the Breslin Center on Tuesday night, then I'll buy this team as like a bubble team because – then they'll have, they'll be two and two and two in the Big Ten, nine and six overall. Um, you know, Michigan State's a top fifty team. This would be mm-hmm. a quadrant one win for Nebraska and be their second. Um, so I mean, we'll see. I, I do feel like this team, uh, you know, knowing what Michigan State's about, they look they shoot a lot of three pointers. They've got like eight top one hundred players, so they're probably just in terms of top one hundred kids commitments. They probably are the uh, most talented team in the Big Ten. They recruit better than anybody in the Big Ten in terms of basketball. Um, you know, they even out recruit Michigan for the most part. I mean, it's close, but, uh, you know, but Michigan state loves to play that physical style of basketball. They shoot a lot of three pointers. They defend the three point shot really well. Um, they don't score a ton of points outside, you know, their two point percentage offensively is really low. I mean, they're in the, the bottom two hundreds in that area. So I feel like it sets up decently for Nebraska matchup wise. It's going to it's going to come down to the defense and the rebounding. I feel like, and, you know, just being, you know, greasel and, uh, you know, Derek Walker kind of executing and, and being able to score. But if they can play the same type of game they played against Creighton and against Iowa, I feel like they got a puncher's chance tomorrow. And if they win that game, then maybe we can start at least thinking about, wishing about, hoping about the NCAA tournament. Limiting transition and controlling the pace of play is going to be crucial tomorrow. They did it very well against Creighton. They did it well against Iowa um, last Thursday. I thought they left a little bit um, – to be desired in terms of allowing Iowa open shots. But, you know, for the most part on Thursday, I liked their defensive rotations and, you know, the defensive rotations and the kind of double team uh, play is something that we've seen all season. And, you know, I think they need to do that again against Michigan state. And I really like the defensive effort and the attention to rebounding the basketball. So I honestly think they have a chance to at least, you know, keep it close, maybe even win the game. I'm never going to say it's going to be an easy win on the road at Michigan State. Michigan State, like you just alluded to, is a very good team, but I'm not sitting here dreading the game automatically counting it as a blowout, you know, like I have in previous years, to be quite honest with you. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, Michigan State, I mean, they're, they're a very good team. I mean, they're well coached, but, you know, they've uh, they've lost to Northwestern, who's playing pretty well. And, you know, they haven't played, and this is their first Big Ten game, you know, kind of after the restart. They're one and one in the conference right now. Nebraska's one and two. And, uh, you know, yeah, I'm, I feel like Nebraska's going to be right there. They're going to have to hit some shots. You know, I mean, like at, uh, you know, at the Indiana game, they played really poorly on the road. They shot the ball just, you know, they would have had a chance in that game if they could have shot the ball at all. St. John's too. Um, yeah, St. John's. They didn't play on the on the road well. So I mean, those are, of course, with the Indiana game, they didn't have Greasel, and I think that that really kind of hampered the offense. So we'll see. But I mean, and it's not going to be easy to score inside against Michigan State. With the St. John's game too, they didn't have Derek Walker, and yeah, yeah I think once Walker came back, you saw the pieces fall into place a little bit because, like I mentioned on Friday, now you have two players in Greasel and Walker that can kind of control the pace, and you can play the game through. And, you know, I didn't realize – I knew Walker was good, but I didn't realize he was going to be kind of the glue that held everything together. But he's played that role well, and, you know, he's kind of been – I don't want to say the offensive catalyst for this team, but he's been a source of stability. And, you know, he's shown veteran leadership. And, you know, I think Derek Walker coming back has completely changed the game for Nebraska basketball, and I think he'll have a bigger role than he did on Thursday. Thursday he just got into a lot of foul trouble, so – he couldn't really make much of an impact just because of, you know, that just because of his foul trouble. But as long as he brings that same physicality and is smart about it, I expect him to have a much better game than he did on Thursday. Yeah, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be the key. Him and Sam Greasel scoring inside and getting, um, you know, like open looks for others. Uh, Michigan State, you know, they do play very good defense. Um, you know, in the paint, especially on like, like two point shots. You know, two point percentage. They're, uh, you know, only giving up forty six percent. You know, on two pointers, which is in the top one hundred. They're, uh, you know, they're only giving up thirty one percent at the three point line, which is, you know, in the top one hundred. So those are two really important areas for Nebraska. I feel like to score in this game. Um, I, I feel like they have to get. You know, Greasel and Walker kind of going down low and Gary attacking. And then they have to get, you know, Wiltshire and uh, Tominog are going to have to hit some threes. And, uh, you know, Bandamel and Gary have hit some big shots, too. And that's what I like about those guys is they're kind of uh, they're like, you know, three and D type dudes. I mean, they can attack the bucket, but they can hit threes. They can defend. Um, and, yeah, and Derek Walker is going to have to stay out of foul trouble. He has to, you know, be on the floor for, you know, 30 plus minutes tonight and, uh, you know, just not only for his offense, but his rebounding and his defensive presence. I mean, I think that, you know, his, his offense, obviously he's one of the most productive post players in the big 10, but his defense has really, I think been a huge factor for this Nebraska team. You know, he doesn't block a ton of shots, but you know, he's affected a lot of shots at the rim. And I feel like that he's one reason why, you know, Nebraska is doing such a good job defensively is having that big presence inside. He's a disruptor. He makes the offense think about the shots they have to take and makes them take a little bit more caution when they take those shots. And I think he'll be a big part. And then, you know, kind of like you said, getting, you know, Wiltshire going. He was four of eight and then um, three for six from beyond the arc. And, you know, he really was hitting that shot with confidence, uh, the three-point shot. So, you know, seeing him, you know, play that well, his 13 points, were the most um, he scored since uh, that Indiana game. On so I think as long as he can continue to play, you know, at that high level and shoot with consistency, because there's been some games where honestly he couldn't, you know, <laughs> hit the broadside of a barn. But he did on Thursday, so I hope he can continue to do that. 
Yeah, I think so. And it just, you know, it a lot of times too, it depends on the quality of the looks that you get, you know, and if those guys are scoring inside, then, you know, it's going to give, um, you know, better looks on the outside. And I think one good thing, really good thing about Sam Griesel too, is he's, he's able to create shots for others. You know, he can attack the bucket and, uh, so he's he's done he's done wonders for Nebraska, you know, at the point guard position. And I wish you we know, had him for more than one year, man. I really do. Yeah, yeah, me too. But you know, at at any rate, you know this this team I think uh, can take a a big step forward, you know, in in kind of announcing themselves as a really a team to you know kind of contend with in the Big Ten if they can win this game tomorrow night. Yeah, and they've already established, you know, Pinnacle Bank Arena as a tough place to play, in my opinion. So as long as they can, you know, continue to make themselves heard on the road. I mean, you know, I feel really I feel really confident in this team. I see a direction with this team and you know, I think it's going to be a good game on uh on Tuesday for sure. Yeah, we should mention uh, the Nebraska women's basketball team lost in overtime to number 4 uh, Indiana yesterday. They really played well and um they they now lost two in a row, but they played uh you know, a couple teams ranked in the top 13, so you know, I still feel strongly about th- this team, uh, you know, making it to the NCAA tournament. Um, so there's there's that. And, and who knows, maybe we'll have two teams, you know, playing some postseason basketball this year if it all works out. That's yeah. that's my goal. I, I'm still thinking more NIT than NCAA tournament, yeah. but but you win the a couple more games here. Of a season. I yeah. mean, the ebbs and flows of a season. And, you know, I'm not worried about the women's basketball team. You know, I think they're, they're a very competent team that can play at a high level. And so – you're going to lose a couple games here and there, I think. I, I don't think it's anything to be worried about. And, you know, let's be honest here. If this was, you know, the end of February, you know, final regular season games, I'd be a little bit worried. But you're going to have the ebbs and flows of a season. So as long as they just continue to play at a high level and, you know, finish, you know, February and, you know, March strong heading into postseason play, then I'm not too worried, you know. Yeah, no, I think they're they're they they've played well. You know, Indiana's obviously you know number four in the country. So, um, so yeah, I feel like they're headed towards another NCAA tournament berth, which is a great thing there for uh, you know Amy Williams. And um, yeah, it's going to be you know some exciting basketball to follow. Got a lot of recruiting you know stuff that's coming up here, and I think we'll uh, we'll get a couple of commitments on uh, Wednesday or Tuesday, excuse me, and then uh, you know. We'll be full steam ahead on the 2024 class. So make sure that you're following along here on the Husker Big Red YouTube channel for all your recruiting and basketball and football updates. So hit that subscribe button. Uh, make sure you like our videos. Get into the comment section. You know, let us know what you think. Uh, throw out your predictions for, you know, recruiting or Dylan Rayola or even this Nebraska yeah. basketball game, whatever. You know, let's let's talk some Huskers. So um, at any rate, so uh, we appreciate your support on the channel and uh, hit that subscribe button and uh, hopefully – Tuesday is a good day for the Big Red. We'll get some commitments and a W in uh, at the yeah my birthday. So that so so that would be a good birthday present. Two commitments tomorrow. So that that would be so happy early birthday, Danny, and uh, hopefully hopefully the Big Red deliver for you. That would be probably the first time in a while, but I'm crossing my fingers. So, <laughs> so hey man, the Pats won on Sunday, so that helps. About time and. Oof, that was a close one. They don't make it easy, but you can't do anything with Matt Patricia as an offensive coordinator, but that's another video for another day. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, folks. Well, we'll be back on Wednesday, and we'll uh, you know catch up on all the latest Nebraska news. So until then, go Big Red. Go Big Red.